That puck to the neutral zone. Here comes Huberdeau with Barkov. Two on one. Barkov for Huberdeau. And he scores! Only Jokinen has company. He and Huberdeau, the all-time franchise scoring leaders now. Welcome to Project Panthers, a weekly podcast discussing your Florida Panthers. Now, here's your host, Brunswick. What a week, what a week, what a week. I am your host, Brunswick. The show is Project Panthers, and oh, baby, what a week, what a month it has been in Panthers territory. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, that means you found me on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other major podcast platform out there on the World Wide Web by searching Project Panthers. Remember to follow us on all the socials by searching Project Panthers. I love all the interactions I've had with you on Twitter and uh, on Instagram and on the other social media sites. So please keep it going. I I just want to keep growing this Panthers community. I've seen some other podcasts pop up as well. Let's just keep growing it. Keep keep increasing that in that imprint that the Panthers have online. I gotta before I get into the show, I gotta give a quick shout out to my beer league team, the Hard Four Whale Tales. Team captain Scotty Kreisa, we are out to a 9-0-1 start to our summer beer league. I managed to score the game winner last night with about 90 seconds to go. Thank God I did because I totally blew my assignment on the penalty kill on the previous shift that I had. That allowed the other team to tie it. Yikes, but yeah, definitely riding high off of that one. Uh, Cody and Cloudy getting goals in that game. So just wanted to give a brief little shout out to the boys there. Um, I got to apologize as well. Um, I'm... I'm very sorry that I did not do a a Tampa Bay Lightning uh, post-mortem series podcast. Uh, it was a tough time in my life. I was just a little bit busy. You know, I, I have the newborn with my wife. Baby girl is about four months now. But, uh, you know, life with a newborn is not easy. That combined with the utter disappointment that took place in that series, uh, it just did not combine into a perfect position for me to record a podcast so I do apologize for that for those of you that were looking for it I'm going to do a little bit of brief discussion about the Tampa Bay series um, just because I feel like I need to touch on it a little bit it feels like it was a thousand years ago at this stage in terms of Panthers news but still one of those things that needs to be talked about I like I said utter disappointment it's it was a tough pill to swallow after last year's first round you know, six-game loss to the Lightning. It seemed like after winning the first round against the Capitals this year, getting over that, you know, first-round hump, I thought this was the time that they were going to really put it to the Lightning. I wasn't sure if they were going to win it. I did pick them to win it, but I wasn't sure as a fan going into the series. But I I don't think any anyone foresaw the outcome of Tampa Bay sweeping the Panthers 4 nothing in four straight games. I mean, the, the, the common thought is that the Panthers got Vasilevskied, right? They uh, just could not get anything past him. Listen, I, I don't know if that's a valid excuse. The Panthers are one of the teams, one of the few teams in the league that actually has Vasilevsky's number. They had that sad a couple last season where Vasilevsky had only given up six goals twice in his last, I don't know, 100 starts or something. I'm just picking numbers. I can't remember the exact statistic. 
but it was quite a long period of time, and the team that had given, gotten him to give up those six goals was both time, both times was the Florida Panthers. So, you know, they they have his number, so to speak. I mean, as much as you can have a goaltender like Vasilevsky's number. So I don't think it's as simple as an excuse as a goaltender playing his 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 best. You know, he did play really well. He he performed at a really high level in that series. You can you could have kind of see it coming a little bit um, in the in the Leafs series that they had with with the uh, with the Lightning. Game six and seven in that series, Vazzy was already kind of starting to turn it up, starting to look less human and more like an android. And yeah, I guess he just brought it for the Panthers series. But I still think that. You know, this team really, like, they stumbled over the Washington Capitals. Without Carter Verhage going absolute beast mode, I don't know if they would have gotten past it, them. LaViolette kind of had Burnett's number in that series. They looked out-coached and out, uh, just out-strategized in a lot of ways. So, you know, in that sense, in that line of thinking... It kind of makes sense that they got swept by the Lightning because they just did not play the way they needed to. They just didn't look ready for the playoffs. I don't know if that was a coaching thing and getting the boys ready in the regular season leading up to the playoffs. They weren't really playing that many important games later on in the season. You know, they kind of had things wrapped up by the end of March. It's hard to say exactly what the factors are, but, you know, the team just, (laughs) they didn't get it done. You lose four straight to Tampa Bay. You score three goals in a four-game series after being one of the most potent offenses in the last 30 regular seasons in the NHL. Inexcusable. The only time I really saw the Panthers put effort was in the final game four. And by then, it was far too late. They really looked like the better team in that game, and they still lost at 2 nothing. But they were not the better team in most games this playoffs. And... It seems like Bill Zito agreed with me because he made a mountain of changes. Perhaps the biggest turnover in franchise history since Dale Talon's first season when he came in and signed, you know, Fleischman and brought in Versteeg. And, you know, the, the entire team looked very different. But this, this is a big overhaul. And the biggest news out of the Panthers territory during this offseason so far. I, I don't think we're going to get bigger news than this. Longtime Panther, all-time leading goal scorer, all-time leading, sorry, point getter, assist, assister, and games played assister. Yeah, that's a word. Um, Jonathan Huberto, you know, f- face of the franchise for almost a decade. has been traded to the Calgary Flames along with another big name in Mackenzie Weger on the back line. Cole Schwint, Florida Panthers prospect who saw a little bit of game time this season. Not much, though. And a protected first-round draft pick in 2025. All of that is going to the Calgary Flames for left-winger Matthew Kachuk and a conditional fourth-round pick. This trade dropped last Friday night at 11 p.m. I was... uh, watching some TV with my wife after we had put the baby to bed a couple hours before that. And I opened up, I actually opened up my phone to a buddy of mine, Jamie, sending me a text message saying, no way 
question mark, question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, et cetera, et cetera. And in my heart of hearts, I knew immediately that Huberto was traded. And I, and I almost knew immediately that it was for Kachuk without even checking Twitter or anything. I, uh, I had thrown out this trade proposition a few weeks ago on the Twitter account just to see what people would be interested in. Would they, would they give up Huberto and more because I expected it to be required more to acquire a guy like Matthew Kachuk at his age? Didn't seem too popular, but uh, here we are a couple weeks later. The trade is official. That night was pretty crazy. I had to tell my wife, listen, honey, I'm going to be a little MIA for the next couple hours, and uh, that was my night. I'm sure the night was similar for a lot of you. To be honest, I think it's a lot to give up for Matthew Kachuk. I do think he's a fantastic player. I, I love his game. I love everything he brings to the game. I think he immediately changes this franchise's personality and their persona. Uh, having two top guys like Huberto and Barkov who are, you know, for lack of a better way of describing it, a bit passive, both on and off the ice. Kachuk is definitely not that guy. He is a balls-to-the-wall, come-get-some kind of guy. Um, by far, his best season in the NHL was this past season, putting up 104 points in 82 games. 42 goals to go in that campaign. Hasn't really reached those numbers before this year. I mean, he's borderline a point-per-game player since 2018-19 season. I expect him to be similar on the Panthers. You know, he wasn't acquired to match Huberto's point total, though. And that was my biggest, biggest um, point when I was discussing the potential trade of Kachuk for Huberto and more was that you are not trying to replace Huberto's points because, frankly, the team doesn't really need more goals. The team needed a little bit more grit, a little more tenacity, a little bit more front-end energy, a little bit more pain-in-the-ass-to-play-against kind of stuff, which I think Kachuk all brings. It's, you know, whether or not a lot of his game was a product of Johnny Goudreau, we'll see. But it's not like he's coming to Florida to play with a bunch of scrubs. You know, this is a team with a lot of talented forwards that Kachuk can gel with. He's shown chemistry with Bennett before. I mean, the fits are there. I, I'm not worried about that. But again, the price was pretty hefty. Jonathan Huberto alone, incredible hockey player, right? Mackenzie Wieger, we all know what he brings to the game. He's a minute-eating defensive defenseman that can actually provide offense in a system like this where there's a lot of rush play, and he can help control the zone exits. Uyghur was sort of the punching bag this offseason, or this this postseason. He had some pretty bad gaffes, one against Washington and one against Tampa that essentially cost the Panthers two games in the playoffs. You know, whether or not in the grand scheme of things that would have actually affected play, I don't know. You know, the game two mistake against Tampa Bay in round two, that was a tough one because the game was tied and we were seconds away to going to from overtime. And, you know, maybe the Panthers lose in overtime and it doesn't really matter. But maybe the Panthers win in overtime. And suddenly it's a 1-1 series. And, you know, the mental gymnastics start playing with both teams. And who knows? But, you know, 
Well, we were never meant to find out what would actually happen, right? So, again, it's it's a lot to give up. I think giving up the first rounder, another tough, tough thing to do. Zito was very smart in this right to protect this first rounder. So it's a lottery protected first round pick. So if it becomes a lottery pick, the pick will move on to the following year because three years is a long time. And who knows? Maybe the Panthers will be absolute crap in those three by those by the time that 2025 pick comes around. The reason I think that first round pick was included is because I don't think that the Flames have a realistic shot of re-signing both of these players. If I were to pick out one of them, I think Uyghur is the one that stays in Calgary. Although, you know, he is primed to go to Ottawa next offseason and return home. But I think it's just not a lucrative place for them. It's a weird franchise, you know, with the mass exodus that happened this summer with Goudreau and Kachuk leaving and requesting to leave, Kachuk specifically. I don't know what's going on with that franchise. You know, maybe Huberto and and Uyghur love it there, and they do sign. It's not impossible. But, you know, Calgary isn't... To go from Florida to Calgary, that's a big weather shock, indeed. But weather isn't all that matters, obviously. So we'll see how the teams treat them. I'm sure Calgary is going to do their best to treat these guys like a billion dollars and do everything in their power to keep them on board. But that first-round pick sort of seems like insurance from the Panthers to Calgary that, hey, you're at least going to get some value back in this if it's just a one year for both of these guys because they are both unrestricted free agents after the end of next season. And I think that factored into Zito's decision and whether or not he could re-sign both of them. Huberto was at least going to get $9 million, probably $10 million like Barkov, maybe ten point five. And Uyghur, I mean, you know, he's an analytical darling, even though the eye test doesn't always agree with that. He seems to be pretty, you know, he was underrated around the league in the last couple of years. I think now he's a little bit overrated because people have seen his offensive numbers, and I don't think he's as good as people think he is. But he's still going to be due for a massive payday, maybe seven, eight million dollars, like Seth Jones type of money, and that's eighteen million dollars for two guys. That's tough, you know. And Huberto's not getting any younger, you know. He's going to be thirty when he signs that deal. You're signing him for a long-term deal for what could be the later half of his contract that may not age well. You know, Huberto's style does lend itself well to aging. He's not a very, doesn't rely on his speed. He relies on his skill and his his hockey sense, which never really goes away. Your hands and your sense never goes away. It's all about the feet. And he could play well into his late 30s and be a, a contributing NHLer. So who knows? Time will tell, right? But I know it was extremely hard to... To give up Huberdeau, it was sad to see him go. I had such mixed emotions because I do really feel that he's an incredible player and easily a top five player to ever put on the Panthers jersey. But hockey's a business and you got to give to get in this league. And the Panthers did give, but boy, did they get. They signed Matthew Kachuk to an eight-year deal right off the top. He's going to be a Panther for a while. And I loved seeing his uh, his press conference on Monday talking about the team and his one line about, you know, I hate Edmonton, but now I hate Tampa even more. That's the kind of stuff you want to hear. 
you know, he's gonna he's not only gonna contribute on ice, but I think he's gonna help grow the game in South Florida. And Zito has talked about it. The Panthers as a franchise, they've talked about growing the game in South Florida more. I'm not a local down there, but I would love to see hockey just continue to grow. I love the sport and I just want it to be more accessible and more available to everyone from all creeds and like sides of the society. Everyone should be able to get a chance to put on some hockey gear and try it out. You know, it's how I got to fall in love with it. So uh, I think it's important. And Kachuk's the kind of guy who will get on a mic and say what he feels and, um, he doesn't shy away from the the tough stuff. And, you know, Barkov, as great as he is, he's not the most marketable guy. That's okay. He's a hockey player. That's, that's He doesn't need to be marketable. And I don't care about that. But Kachuk is, right? He is. And that's just a little bonus added feature to him as a, as a player and as a personality in the NHL. And if they lean into him, huh, they could make the sport grow even more than it's already been growing over the last few years. I, I, I strongly, strongly believe that. But time's going to tell with this trade. Whether or not Calgary resigns one or two of Huberto and Uyghur, that'll, I think that'll determine a lot in terms of how the value goes long-term with this trade. But I think Matthew Kachuk is the best player in this trade, and I am a firm believer that when you get the best player in a trade, you win that trade, regardless of what you've given up. Now, speaking of giving up, before this trade went down, we had to go through a little bit of uh, traditional off-season hockey stuff, right? We uh, we went to a we had a draft. There's free agency, all that, right? Right. But uh, you know, first came the draft. We thought the Panthers might be pushing really hard to move some money around. That was the belief and the talk that uh, you know, given the cap situation and. At the time, Huberto and Uyghur's contracts coming up next season, the big belief was that Zito was going to push hard to get some money, get some cap space. And it seemed that uh, cap space was at a premium this offseason because Zito wasn't able to move anyone. And we saw some pretty crazy trades out there this year. I mean, Oliver Bjorkstrand was traded from Columbus to Seattle for a third and fourth round draft pick. That's... That is an extremely low price for a player of Bjorkstrand's caliber where, you know, he's bordering on a poor per game player and he's very skilled offensively. Yeah, he's not the best defensively, but my goodness, for a third and fourth round pick, that's it's going to be one of those trades that people look at in the future and say, how did Seattle get him not knowing the context of Columbus needing cap space for Goudreau? You know, that kind of those points will be lost to time. But not much happened in the draft. Panthers didn't have their first pick until the third round, so they didn't pick until the second day. They you know, mortgaged a lot of future over the next couple of seasons, so this will be a common theme for the Panthers come the next few drafts. Um, a couple of the picks I did like were uh, fifth-rounder San- Sandis Vilmanis and uh, seventh-rounder Jack Devine. Just from reading up on these guys, I obviously haven't really seen them play, but just from doing some light reading on them, I think they both have a chance to reach the pro level. They seem to have some offensive upside with some defensive, well-rounded game. I think they seem to have a high ceiling, but, you know, bit of a long shot for both of them. I mean, that's kind of the way it goes with fifth and seventh rounders. You never really know. Devine does, he have, does have the advantage of being in the ever-impressive University of Denver program down in U.S. college hockey. So he'll see some growth as well. Um, 
excited to see how this draft pans out. Panthers are really going to have to start hitting on these later picks again because they just don't have those, you know, sort of surefire first rounders. Now, we moved on to free agency uh, about a week and a week after the draft, week and a half after that draft. Panthers were looking to maybe hold on to a couple of guys that they acquired at the deadline and Claude Drew and Ben Sherratt. But, you know, I, I really didn't want Sherratt sticking around, but I really wanted to keep Giroux, even though I knew it was never going to happen. I mean, obviously, keeping Giroux would be wonderful, but I knew it was just impossible. There's no way they could fit him. And, and Giroux was due for a payday, and he wanted to go home to Ottawa, and that's where he went. He signed for three years, $6 million a a year, I think he took a little bit of a pay cut there. I think he could have gotten elsewhere, maybe a little somewhere somewhere on a different team. But Ottawa gave him the three-year deal, so he'll go there, raise his family, and retire, trying to get go for one last cup. So good for him. Ben Schrott ends up going to another division rival as well. He goes to Detroit. Good riddance. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. I do not care. I do not like Ben Schrott. They gave up way too much for him. I hated the trade when it happened, and I hate the trade now. I'm just glad he's, I guess, in the Atlantic Division still because the Panthers get to play against him a bunch next season. But honestly, Ben Sherratt is garbo, and I don't know how he got a friggin' four-year deal from Detroit. But good for you, I guess. Arguably, the biggest loss for the offseason for the Panthers was losing Mason Marchment, who had a tremendous season last year. He really grew as a Panthers player. But uh, after some rumors that he was going to go to Carolina, I was really, really not looking forward to Mason Marchment going to the despised rival Carolina Hurricanes. But, nope. Alas, he ended up going to the Dallas Stars, signing an $18 million contract over four years. So a nice little payday for Marchie. Mush goes to the Stars. Unfortunately, the Cats could not afford it. A little too rich for their blood. But, again, expected. Unless Marchman took a very, very, very team-friendly deal, he was not coming back. And, honestly, he deserves it. This guy was plugging around in the AHL for a while. So, Huge payday for Mush. Noel Chari also moving on, signing a one-year deal with the Blues. Cookie gave us some fun memories in the Panthers uniform, those back-to-back hat tricks. I don't think anyone's ever going to forget those if you were part of the uh, Panthers nation back then. Marcus Nudivara also, despite appearing to basically disappear off the face of the earth last season, he lands a one-year deal with San Jose uh, to try and revamp his career with the Sharks after some injury troubles at the, uh, in the Cats. Uh, some other... Smaller names also moving on. Chase Prisky, uh, vet Joe Thornton still hasn't found a contract, and he might be done in the NHL. I think after last year, it's probably for the best, unfortunately. Uh, Jumbo Joe will likely not get a cup unless he moves on to a uh, you know front office role or scouting role or something like that. Still not out of the realm of possibilities. And forward Maxim Mammon signed a three-year deal returning to the KHL. That was one of the first uh, Panthers bit of news in the offseason, losing out on Max and Mammon. Again, not a superstar player, but I did like the grit and bit of skill he brought to the game, so eh, got a big payday to go to back home, so good for him. Now, the big, question's going, big question going into this offseason, before any of these signings and all those picks and all those nonsense was uh, the coaching. The coaching decision. What to do with Andrew Brunette? Do you... Do you bring him back and let him go around with the boys again or or not? And I think the team lingered a bit with the decision. And eventually the news was that Brunette was not going to come back because the Panthers were going to go and hire former Winnipeg Jets head coach Paul Maurice. This was a 
polarizing decision from the Panthers. A lot of people loved it. A lot of people hated it. Personally, I like the I like this move. I I don't really like regurgitating coaches in the NHL. I am all always a fan of bringing in new blood and trying to see what kind of success someone new can bring to the league. But I did not see that in Brunette at all last season. And I think Maurice is not one of those Lindy Ruffs where, you know, he just kind of bounces around to different team and has mediocre results with everybody. Um, I think Maurice, you know, the tenure he had in Winnipeg, very long time he spent over there coaching. It's better part of a decade. He had some success with them. You know, he took the Jets to the conference finals a few seasons ago before they lost to Vegas. There was a lot of turmoil in the Jets locker room over the years. There was, you know, the whole group uh, mentality and, and click stuff that we had. We, the Panthers experienced in their own changing room, but with Blake Wheeler and company, there was always rumors of a big clickiness going on. There was the Dustin Bufflin situation and him never coming back to play. Evander Kane having his, you know, stuff thrown out of the locker room or thrown in the showers and soaked and just a lot of stuff that on the outside looking in, it's a little bit alarming that the coach doesn't have that under wraps and having his has his players, you know, on the same page. But I also heard egos were a big problem in that locker room. Maurice still stuck around despite all of that. And he left on his own fruition, which not a lot of coaches do. Almost no coaches do in this league. He left on his own accord. Cho- chose to walk away from the Jets. Basically said that he's done everything he can with his team and takes a big man to make that move. Not an easy thing to, to do to walk away from a guaranteed paycheck like that, right? Now, Maurice does rank 7th all-time in the NHL in wins, but unfortunately also leads the league in lo- leads the NHL all-time in losses with 680. But again, people held on to this number like it was some huge fact. But if you coach in the league a long time, you're going to lose a lot of games. That's what happens. And, you know, Barry Trotz, the guy who won the cup with the uh, Capitals a couple years ago, and then everyone suddenly thinks he's the best coach ever, he has 670 career losses as a head coach. So just 10. So a bad Islanders this season this year and a good um, Panthers season this year, and suddenly Barry Trotz is number one in NHL losses as a head coach. I. You know, Maurice's style, he's known for for playing the grinders and really leaning on his workhorses and his stars. Um, some of the Panthers signings that we'll get to later on in the episode, they really lean on this coaching style of play. Um, I think Zito's done a really admirable job of getting Maurice the players that he'll need this season, the players that he wants. Um, and again... Personally, I am glad the Panthers moved on from Andrew Burnett. I just did not see nearly enough from him throughout this offseason. This season, they basically looked the exact same way they did when Coach Q was with them. Yet somehow they seemed less motivated when the playoffs came around. Despite, you know, facing Tampa again and getting that second shot, they looked less interested. I think Zito did give him a fair shake, but Brunette just did not show that he had what it takes to compete at the level of someone like, you know, Tampa's head coach, John Cooper. And he only really got past Peter Laviolette in the first round because, again, Carter Verhey went beast mode, and Panthers had a couple of clutch goals. They were down 2-1 and almost gave up an empty net to be down 3-1 in the series in that game four, okay? So they were dangerously close to being out of that series. 
I, I overall I like the hiring, um, but I got to approach it carefully. Losing Q sucks. You know we kind of have to move on from that, but hopefully Maurice can step in and continue the success. Again, losing Q was necessary. I I hate how all of that went down. I hate what Q did in that situation, and I hate the Blackhawks for not vetting things and handling their shit. But I'm not going to get into that. So the first free agent signing we saw come in was Nick Cousins signing a two-year, $2.2 million deal. Cousins, one of the league's best agitators and routinely gets voted one of the best shit talkers in the league by the NHLPA. It's kind of a weird award, but... If you've ever played professional sports, that kind of stuff can go a long way to getting in the other team's head. He's got a little bit of a scoring touch, but he's mainly a utility guy that's used in the bottom six role, works hard in the corners, can throw the body around when he needs to. Not a huge hitter, but he can hit. But he's a grinder. He's he's a grinder. He's one of those Paul Maurice grinders. Um, and Zito also looking to hit another home run with a diamond in the rough. He signs Colin White, a 25-year-old center from the Ottawa Senators. White's had some ser- some injury issues over the past couple seasons, hasn't been able to stay healthy, but he had a really great rookie campaign, putting up 208, sorry, putting up 41 points in 71 games in the 2018 season. He did not put up 2018 points in 41 games. Uh, my numbers got mixed up. Now, I'm sure Zito is hoping for some of the same magic we've seen from the Verhage, Duclair, et cetera, deals that we've seen the Panthers sign. So hopefully White finds his game again. It's only a one-year deal, so this is a very obvious prove-yourself contract for Colin White. I think he's going to be put in a position to succeed with the Panthers. They're going to probably play him on those top lines. He's got a scoring touch. I don't see him playing bottom six minutes. I see him playing... Honestly, I see him up with Verhage and Barkov in the top line, at least at some point this season. Whether or not that's what Maurice agrees with, we'll see. Veteran defenseman Mark Stahl also signed with the Panthers. A one-year deal, a depth signing to provide some leadership on the back end. Don't expect too much from Mark Stahl this year. He is, you know, he spent the last few years in Detroit, so we have seen a lot of him. He is slow, but he plays a tough game in front of the net, and honestly, he's better than Ben Sherratt, and he's the guy they probably should have acquired at the trade deadline instead of Ben Sherratt because he would have cost next to nothing and would have, provided a better performance on the ice. Uh, Mark Stahl's brother, Eric Stahl, the longtime hated Carolina Hurricane from a Panthers perspective. Yeah, he's going to join the Panthers on a training camp invite, a uh, a tryout, a PTO. So we'll see if Stahl can uh, keep up with the Panthers. He played at the uh, Olympics last se- last year with or this year with Team Canada and uh, didn't look completely out of shape and out of touch. He was he had a a season with Montreal the year prior. Didn't play last season in the NHL. So maybe he's still got legs and can play that sort of Joe Thornton veteran off the bench uh, out of the press box role for the Panthers this coming season. Um, that was the f- all on the first day of free agency. The next day, um, there was a little bit of rumors that Rudolph's Balsers might be a signing for the Panthers. There was some rumors from Jameson Olive that... Uh, we, uh, we'd be signing him, and sure enough, not long after, the rumors came true. Balsters was one of those guys that a lot of people I saw on Twitter targeting, m- myself included. I thought he would come pretty cheap, and he does, but only a one-year deal. Um, he drives play well. He's not really an offensive guy, but he, man, can he hit. He's a dynamo out there. He plays a very strong bottom six game, and it, again, another you know Paul Maurice grinder, a guy who... 
makes it hard to play in the corners. And that was one of my points against Tampa was the team seemed too easy to play against in the corners. They too many converted centers trying to play wing and don't know how to grind out. You got to really work in the corners. If you're a winger, you got to work. You got to go in the corners. You got to dig deep. Sometimes you got to get the skate on the puck. You got to just do everything you can to win those battles. And Ballisters is one of those guys that can win you those battles, especially on the bottom six. I think the Panthers bottom six is thicker and juicier than it's been in a long time. And boy, I like it thick and juicy, you know? Who doesn't, right? Um, now, before the big Kachuk trade uh, with Hooperdo, that fell down on uh, July 22nd. or 20, Yeah, 22nd. So the Panthers made a couple more signings. They added a couple of senators, former senators, center Chris Tierney and defenseman Michael Delzato to one-year two-way contracts, likely to help out the farm and provide a bit of depth should the injury bug hit the Panthers. Tierney, I don't really see touching NHL ice. He was a pretty serviceable center for a few years there. Um, good depth guy, but he's sort of fallen off and hasn't really picked up his game since. I don't see him ever cracking the Panthers lineup in this. Injuries really hit hard. But I, unless, I, I, listen, you never know with Tierney. Maybe he'll bounce back and have a great season. I don't know, but he's a two-way contract, so I think expectations from both sides are the same. Del Zotto, though, I see probably playing a little bit. You know, he still played some games in Ottawa last season. Didn't look totally out of the loop. We'll see. We'll see. I I like these signings as depth signings, proven NHLers that will can step in and probably fill a plug a hole or fill a spot if need be. Now, with all these changes, I I gotta give my input on this. I don't know what to think, to be honest. It's quite a bit of turnover. As of right now, the Panthers have a full team signed, and they sit around $3.4 million over the salary cap, depending on what website you check. Anthony Duclair is out right now due to a Achilles tendon injury. He's going to be gone until at least January uh, by the sounds of it. So that will free up around $3 million for the first half of the season. But there's going to be some moving around still required from Zito's end. Not sure what he'll do. I don't think it'll be Hornquist because, again, the cost of... Trading for cap space right now is insane. But I think a move will have to come somewhere. Overall about the squad, I feel pretty good. I think that they will take a step back next year. I mean, they won the President's Trophy, so it's not really a shock. Unless you finish first in the league, again, you have naturally taken a step back, right? But I don't see them winning the Atlantic next year. Um but I see them competing in the top three spots. I don't see them being a wild card team. There's just too much still there from last season. I really wanted this team to have more grit and toughness after that horrible performance against Tampa Bay. And with Cousins, Balsers, like added to the bottom six with Hornquist and Lomberg already back there, the Cats are going to be a menace. And you throw in Gudis and Kachuk and Teams are just going to despise come to South Florida to play the Panthers. It's going to be a tough time for anyone that comes into that building. I think the forwards are in the best shape they've maybe ever been. There is depth. There's scoring. There is toughness. There is grit. There is skill. Top to bottom. Top to bottom. I see Ryan Lomberg taking another big step this year becoming an even more essential part of that bottom six with the Panthers. The defense, though. The defense is definitely a little concerning. 
Mackenzie Weger ate a lot of minutes out there, and that's not going to be easy to replace by anyone. The good news is that the Panthers have Gustav Forsling, and he's just waiting in the wings to prove himself as a legit number two defenseman in this league, and I definitely think he is. I don't doubt that for a second. He has shown he can step up. When Ekblad went down last season, No, it was not Uyghur who stepped up. It was Forsling. I'm talking about not this past season, the previous year when Ekblad went down really early. That was, you know, Forsling was our best defenseman in the playoffs. He was a beast. And he's poised to take that next step for sure. But after that top pairing, it's a pretty significant drop-off. As things stand right now, Second pairing, my guess is as good as yours. Maybe they give Lucas Carlson that bump and put him on the second pairing with Gudis. I think, or maybe they put Montreux up there. But again, then you're putting two right shots and then two left-handed shots on the pairing, right? So if you put Carlson and Gudis together, that's a lefty and a righty, and then you put Mark Stahl and Brandon Montour on the bottom pairing. I think that's a good mix of offense and defense on both those two pairings. And... Whether or not that's good enough to get success in the playoffs, I don't know. Zito doesn't really have much in the cupboard to even offer come trade deadline to beef up this defense if the Panthers need to. So he's in a tough spot right now. Although he has set the team up nicely for cap space next offseason. Cats are going to have a lot of money to spend on players if they need to, but this season is a different story, right? Still got to get through this year. The goal is no longer the playoffs. The goal is now a deep playoff run and eventually a Stanley Cup. The team is now expected to reach the postseason. It's not how it used to be where it was just give us the playoffs, just give us the... We've gotten the playoffs. But will that defense be enough to hold off the ever-increasingly competitive Atlantic Division? Again, I think the Panthers did a really good job of improving in the ways that they needed to. But they still haven't figured out the defense. And... At times last year, that was already a bit of an issue without removing Mackenzie Weger from the equation. As much as we like to beat on Weger, he ate a lot of minutes. And that's not easy to replace, no matter what. I like to use him as a punching bag, too. I hated those gaffes he made, those terrible, terrible mistakes. But that doesn't erase the 20 minutes he played every night, right? Just something to think about. But that's going to do it for me on this latest episode of Project Panthers. I am Brunswick, your host. Preseason hockey is just a couple months away, but oh God, does that feel like a lifetime at this point. Really excited to see what the team looks like come October. I'm not expecting too many more changes, but uh, you never know with Zito. I might do more episodes throughout the offseason depending on what news does drop. But as always, you can find me on Twitter and all the other social medias by searching Project Panthers Podcast. Remember to follow on or like and subscribe on on YouTube. I love getting to know you guys on Twitter and online. Let's just keep growing this, this, this community. Whether you disagree with my takes or you agree with my takes, hot takes are always welcome around here at Project Panthers. Go Cats, go. Have a week.